The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter for the song Lion Kings. I'm very happy to be using that as our intro this season. James, not a ton to talk about right now. I mean, we're kind of in a lull period. I think minor league seasons kick off, what, tomorrow night? Uh, day. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's not a ton to talk about on that end. We aren't deep enough into the major league baseball season to really talk a ton about those guys. You know, a lot of the top pitching prospects haven't even pitched yet. A lot of uh, the top hitters have only had, you know, 12 at bats. So there's really not a ton to, to talk about. I didn't I didn't have an article go up this week because I was doing a full, uh, you know, one last kind of go through on the top 400 prospect rankings to get them finalized before the start of the minor league season removed guys like Josh Bell and Dansby Swanson who lost their prospect eligibility after their first game. So that's fully up to date. Uh, and I have that kind of saved uh, to reference later on in the season as to this is kind of where guys started the year and everything like that. But 
uh, yeah, not a, not a ton to break down that's that's been happening lately. Yeah, so we're going to keep it pretty short today. Touch on the results from our reserve draft from the Staff Keeper League 2, which was Sunday night. So as the opening night games were going on, we were uh, mid-auction and draft. So And that's been going on for, what, five years now? So we'll get, you know, a lot of the top prospects are kept. We'll give you an idea of... Uh, where certain players fell, but I want to talk to you first. You, you said not to at you on Twitter about Buxton, but one week ago on this pod, you, you gave out your projection for Buxton early on, and you mentioned, I mean, most of these guys have 12 at-bats under their belt and it's far too small of a sample to draw any real meaningful conclusions, but a lot of strikeouts in the early going for Buxton. People are starting to chirp a little bit. Is your concern level still zero? Uh... It's not zero, but I would be buying right now. I think that this is, I think you're going to have a lot of panicked owners, especially in single season leagues where, you know, I saw our, our XM producer, uh, Trevor Ray asking on Twitter, like, at what point can you drop Buxton in a that's, single season league? And I like Trevor, but come on. So like that, that's a sentiment that's out there. It might not be, it might only be like 10% of Buxton owners that are that level of worried, but I think there are enough of them where there's a definite buying opportunity here. Uh, I think you have to go in knowing that you're just buying the, the power and the speed and accept the fact that you're, you're probably not going to get a very high average. I mean, my, I projected him to hit 249, So it's not like I thought he was going to hit 260 or 270. Uh, but I mean, it's a rough, rough start to the year, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, we're not even a weekend. Yeah, rough start offensively, not defensively, though. I mean, the guy's making spectacular catch after a spectacular catch in the early going. That one where he like fell down, then recovered and made that dive. That was great. I feel like that will keep him on the field on this team. Well, and he, know, even if he does continue to struggle offensively, right. like the the fear, I would have been worried. Uh, like on a, on a little bit of a, a level if we still had the old regime in place there but you just you know that this new group is going to give him a really long leash because I mean he's proven time and time again that he'll just go back down to triple a mash and then come back up so it's like what's the point just let him if it's going to be a failure over a full season at the big league level let it be a failure over a full season at a big league level and just hope that the you know the the repetition there leads to some adjustments uh, against big league pitching. Yeah, I mean a lot of strikeouts. I know he was swinging and missing and a lot of breaking and off speed stuff early, but drew a walk today, so baby steps. Anybody else, uh, you know, young talents that are catching your eye early on? We'd been intendi, man. We knew it. You knew it. Yeah, he looks really good. Uh, that's not not, a not super surprising, obviously, but. Yeah, I mean he's he's a stud and he this I was just watching him in the cage the other day. Uh I think they were showing it on MLB network maybe. Just kind of one of the things we kept harping on is to not sell this guy's upside short. I mean, he's got big raw power. Like it's not like you look at him as a five ten guy that you know has a really good hit tool, gets on base. Like he's got legit like big power like I mean, the he, bat is lightning quick right he's got 30 plus homer power and mm-hmm. that's not a guy that people should be talking about as some low upside option i'm not saying he's going to hit 30 homers this year but he will have some 30 homer years in the, in the big leagues i mean that that's that's the type of skill set we're talking about so i mean buxton obviously 
you know, if you drafted him, great. If you didn't, you're not really going to be able to trade for him right now. Uh, mm. I mean, there's a lot of those guys where it's like this happens every year where we're not even a week into the year and people are already co- confirming like their yeah, confirmation. Oh, man, I nailed it. Like, oh, man, I was so right about Pax and I told you guys like all this stuff like that. And it's like, well, yeah, the whole reason people maybe didn't invest in Paxton was because they were worried about him getting hurt over a full season, not because they didn't think the skills were real. I like, think he could get through one start. Right. It like it's, it's, it wasn't a bet on how he'd do in his first start. Like I saw people talking about how, how right they were about Jacoby Jones after he <laughs> hit that, that home run and <laughs> on opening day on Twitter. It's just like, are you serious? Like you're, you're claiming victory. He hit a home run in the first game of the year. That, that literally means nothing. I mean, nothing means anything at this point, really. I mean, I love those types who say, you know, like a week into it, you're in first place. Well, if I hold on this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. I if you're checking, holding like, on, I'll check the ridiculous. standings just to like, you know, just, just to see. Fun, yeah. But like, if I was in first place in a league, I wouldn't be feeling great about myself. And if I'm in last place in a league, I'm not feeling terrible about myself. No. Uh, and if you are feeling terrible about yourself, just know that I had Matt Boyd going in, in our stake league this <laughs> <laughs> today. So it uh, can't be doing worse than me. Uh, I had Ricky Nolasco going in that league. And while he wasn't as bad as it could have been, he was not good. Uh, but getting back to Ben Intendi for a second, I retweeted it and mentioned it on the air on Tuesday on SiriusXM. But Darren Willman of baseball or of MLB.com's uh, baseball research and development tweeted out that Benintendi's homer was 97.7 miles per hour, uh, was on a 97.7 mile per hour fastball. Only two uh, Red Sox hit home runs off harder pitches last season, David Ortiz once and Hanley Ramirez once. So that's kind of the kind of power this kid brings to the table in, in the early going. You know, I'll, t- I'll mention this, just watching a bunch of Reds. Scott Shevler is not holding on to that job very long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks bad early, early on. And rookie Davis didn't look particularly good, but man, Brandon Finnegan is was really dominant yesterday, and it's amazing because as dominant as he was, he kind of embarrassed the organization, not by him being an embarrassment, but he kind of uh, the fact that they did not start him on opening day is a huge embarrassment for that organization. I mean, starting Scott Feldman over a guy like Brandon Finnegan uh, is a bad look for that. Like, team. what what do you think the could have been the possible? explanation like do you want to make him you want to make him earn it i guess like, I, mean, I mean he didn't earn it last year come on was it in cincinnati yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's a slap in the face right yeah. to the fans like who do you think they exactly see? and then feldman gives up a homer to start the game of course and he, he did settle down somewhat but he was not good at I'm, all i mean you're talking to a guy who watched the brewers give giovanni gallardo the opening day ball like four or five straight times and uh, once at least over Zach Granke. Uh, it might have been a couple times oh over Zach Granke. That's like, terrible. Yeah. I mean, teams, you know, who who knows what they're, what they're thinking with that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, Finnegan retiring 19 straight to close out that outing. He, he should have got that nod. But, uh, yeah, not an embarrassment from him, but the, the organization came out of that looking kind of uh, boneheaded. That's just an inexcusable uh, nod to Feldman over Finnegan. But let's get to these results from the Staff, Staff Keeper League 2 reserve draft. Again, a lot of prospects already kept, so and a lot purchased in the auction. And speaking of, were there any prospects that went in the auction that surprised you? I got Nick Senzel for 2 bucks. Yeah, I actually nominated Senzel 
hoping to get him at a buck. I wasn't really that optimistic about it. wasn't surprised to see you come in at two. I actually was kind of surprised that nobody came in at three. I mean, we've seen guys like Chris Bryant go for, I think, double digits uh, the first time that they've been eligible for auction as prospects. Uh, so getting Senzel for two was great. It just wasn't – I didn't have that built into my budget to be able to go for more than a buck on a prospect there. I nominated Eloy Jimenez for a buck. Somebody went to two on me there. I nominated Francisco Mejia, uh, hoping to fill my catcher spot with who I think the best catching prospect is for fantasy purposes in the game. Uh, Derek Van Riper ended up going to two on me on Mejia, which really surprised me. I mean, I guess that was probably the biggest surprise I had. I ended up getting Zach Collins for a buck. Uh, just to kind of fill that catcher spot. But I can't really think of – I mean, were there any other guys that went in the auction on the prospect side? Not that I can really think of. I, don't, I, mean, I think I think it was a kind of a limited, a limited class of guys this year because so many of the guys that are anywhere near the majors were already owned, and I don't think there was that level of faith in the room on a guy like Corey Ray – who I honestly was thinking about throwing out for a buck. Uh, but I just, you know, an outfield spot to me, it was, it was just more valuable to get a guy that was going to be playing um, than taking a guy like like Ray, where I, I could have made that exception for a guy like Jimenez. But yeah, we, we there really weren't a ton of guys that it made sense to nominate in that auction on the prospect side. So let's get into the results from this reserve draft. The first pick to George Kurtz was Blake Rutherford, who I got... Much later in staff three, of course, that was from Scratch Keeper League. Rutherford going number one overall here in the reserves. And I saw you recently wrote an update on the site about Rutherford assigned to Lowey Charleston, correct? And he kind of yeah. – didn't he kind of focus on maybe dieting and, and strength training this offseason? Uh, I hear the reports out of Yankees camp were really encouraging this spring. Yeah, he had a really big spring. He was just on the minor league side, obviously, uh, prep hitter. Uh, the power is what I think is really turning heads so far uh, this spring. He's he hit a, a couple couple really impressive shots, and he did add. Uh, you know, we we always talk about how stupid it is. You know, guy adds twelve pounds, fifteen pounds, but I mean, for what it's worth, he did add I think fifteen or eighteen pounds of good muscle, really working on on getting stronger so that he can withstand his first year in a, a full season league. I think that should serve him pretty well. I don't think he's going to be at Charleston for more than half a season. I would I would be pretty surprised if that was the case, assuming he he's hitting. So yeah, I think I mean that that's a completely justifiable pick here in this this range of guys that were available. Yeah, I agree with you. But the guy who went to pick later, Demario Puig, you have a lot higher on your top four hundred, Ronald Acuna, but with with Rutherford. I mean, even though he's at low A to begin the year, I think the, his ETA is probably, what, a, a full year ahead of Acuna, at least? Uh, you think he's going to get there a full year ahead of Acuna? Yeah. Um, possibly. Not necessarily? I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're obviously on different developmental tracks because one just got into the organization as a first-round pick, the other has been in the organization for going on three or four years. But he's still uh, only 19, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Rutherford's 19 or 20. They're yeah. similar ages. I think it it's going to be interesting to see what Acuna does this year at high A. I think if he rakes, you know, he's a guy that 
is kind of not that far off of where a guy like Eloy Jimenez is developmentally. And we know Jimenez isn't going to get up this year, but you know, nobody's really blocking Acuna long-term. You know, he could supplant Nick Barcakis in, you know, a year and a half if he's just really raking. It's, I think both these guys have a chance to force their way to the majors next year. (laughs) If they just absolutely, crush it this year uh i would i would say their etas are are fairly similar interesting yeah i guess i didn't realize the kuna was already at high a it's uh pretty impressive for a kid that age kyle lewis went third overall in the reserves to john mckechnie then andrew fiorentino went mickey boniak jake latarski took a reserve for whatever reason bogfellow went alex kirloff then jose de leon to chris smith tim schuler ryan mcglone went kevin maitan then Adam Wolf with I think maybe one of the best picks of this first round, Jake Bowers, just because Jake Bowers among these prospects could have uh, an impact in the short term. He could be the the first guy up from from this first round uh, among the prospects taken. He could be the first guy up contributing at the major league level. Yeah, and Bowers was actually another guy in addition to Corey Ray that I considered uh, trying to get for a buck in the auction. And that it's you have to understand like. I would take a guy like Bowers for a buck in the auction before I would take a guy like Mickey Moniak, for instance, even though I have Moniak a lot higher or maybe 10, 15 spots higher on my prospect rankings, just because you, you have to get, if you're going to buy a guy in the auction, you want him to get there as soon as possible because you only have a finite amount of years before you have to talk extension. And if you have a guy in your minors, then they become a lot more valuable. Like, like having a guy like, uh, Moniac in a minor league slot versus a guy like Bowers on a dollar. I'd rather have Moniac in a minor league spot, just because I can. You know, I don't have to worry about that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna activate him when he reaches the big leagues. Whereas with Bowers, you know, you hope he's up sometime this year, but that's not a lock. And you know, then all of a sudden he's getting to the time when you have to extend him, and you maybe have only seen a year and a half of him playing as an everyday player uh, before you have to make that decision. So it, it's pretty complicated. But yeah, I, mean, I thought Bowers was a great pick at ten. Yeah, you know, you you kind of sold me on this Rays team, at least like the offense. I knew the pitching staff was good, but watching them a little early on, I mean, they, this team could manufacture some runs. I do think they're a little light in the outfield though, and that's where Bowers could come in. I mean, Malik Smith starting pretty much every day don't really want that no no i i I didn't i didn't really see that coming to be honest no me neither then aj puck went to mckechnie for his second pick of the first round and yandy diaz to to pleskov kind of like that pick and you had a bold prediction about diaz what was that again do you remember offhand i think i said he'd he'd hit better and he'd get more plate appearances in the majors than bradley zimmer this year Hmm. that was obviously before he was added to the active roster and that wasn't even really made with the expectation that he would be added mm-hmm. out of spring training. I just thought that his bat was more big league ready than Zimmer's. George Kurtz went with a reserve pick taking Pablo Sandoval in the first round. I mean, I'm not a big fan of taking reserves in the first round in a format like this where minor leaguers on those minor league contracts are so valuable, but Sandoval is kind of hard to argue with. Corey Ray finally went to Andrew Parr at, uh, 13 overall in the reserves. Then Derek Van Riper with Lucas Ersig. And Bernie Pleskoff was quick to chime in that Ersig is kind of his guy now. He's, he's really high on him. I know you have Ersig, what, your top 70-ish range. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the power ceiling with a guy like this? 
Uh, like 65, 65 grade. So maybe 30, 32, 35, maybe in his peak years. Uh, I thought Corey Ray going where he did was honestly the steal of the first round for me. He was a guy that actually really impressed a ton of guys in, in Brewers camp this year. Uh, I'm expecting really big things. He got held back in extended spring, but he'll be, He'll be joining high A uh, shortly, I would imagine. And, you know, I think getting him, I mean, he was, I think going into this, he would have been a top five player on my board uh, ahead of a guy like Kyle Lewis, who went third, ahead of Mickey Moniak, who went fourth, obviously ahead of a guy like Ben Revere, who went fifth. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Ray was a, a great steal, whereas Ursig, this is about where he should have gone. Yeah. Ray, I mean, going to par, the new guy in the league. I mean, quite a splash to make your first year as an owner in this league. I like that pick as well. I went with Tyler O'Neill. You know, it was between him and Juan Soto, and I ended up getting Soto in the second round. I kind of felt like I could probably wait and, and get him. For some reason, I guess it's just because of proximity. You know, the couple drafts we've done, nobody really seems to want him. Uh, I haven't. I to be fair, like I didn't have a chance. Yeah, you didn't to have take a pick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that here in a second. But <laughs> Tyler O'Neill, I've been seeing some good things about him, and we saw him in the fall league. He's just the stout, built sob. I mean, he. Uh, I knew his father was a, a bodybuilder as well, and he just looks <laughs> the part. But he, do you worry that he might not be able to hit for for a high average at the major league level? Oh yeah, I think that's a. Very legit concern. I think you, if you're being realistic about Tyler O'Neill, you're hoping for a 250 hitter who gets on base at like a 340 clip, which is totally doable for him. But that's that's the realistic upside. You're not, you shouldn't be expecting a 270, 275 hitter. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. Well, we'll see about him. I mean, he is interesting, but yeah, I mean, maybe. We'll see. This might have been a little bit of a reach, but I wanted to get another oh, hitting outfit. I don't think so because yeah. you got you got the other guy in the second round and O'Neill. You know, I think you could look at that Seattle outfield and see some weak weak spots there. I mean, they have some guys that they're, you know, Mitch Hanniger, who knows if he can handle an everyday role. Uh, Leonis Martin, Jared Dyson. You might end up seeing one of those guys lose out on playing time at some point. I mean, it, it's not very difficult to imagine a way for Tyler O'Neill to be getting everyday bats in July or August. Yeah, his father was in WWE. I heard too. That's not real. That's not real. You said you'd be scouring for a uh, for major league reserves if you had a pick late the second round here in this one. And one of the names that sticks out in the third that probably should have gone a lot sooner. Hector Neris, especially after Jean-Marc Gomez gave up a homer to Scooter Jeanette on opening day. Uh, that leash is growing shorter. Uh, that's, that's something. Jean-Marc Gomez is the Scooter Jeanette of relief pitchers. <laughs> that's, that's actually a surprisingly perfect comp. Uh, but anyway, Hector Neris in the third, the first pick of the third round, in an 18-team, a 17-team league. Uh, that's a really good value to George Kurtz. Mario went Domingo Acevedo, Michael Fleas, Drew Smiley, Adam Adovino, Adam Frazier, Jason Worth. We see more reserve guys go in this round. Logan Morrison, Tyler Saladino, then Willie Calhoun. I know he's up at Oklahoma City to begin the year. Luke Gregerson, Delvin Perez, Johnny Peralta, Sean Reed Foley, Riley Pint, Colton Wong, and Frankie Montas rounds this out. Said I uh, like the Naris pick. Also like the Willie Calhoun pick quite a bit. 
What do you think of the Delvin Perez pick? Too high or too late for him? Uh, that's the right spot. I mean, I, I think I moved him. He was a guy that I might have moved up slightly recently. Uh, I think I have him in – I have him at 68, so that's right after that kind of run of pitchers you see there, uh, right after Zach Collins, right after – uh, Lucas Ursig, Greg Allen, guys like that. So, I mean, I think that's that's a great spot for, for Perez. So, fourth round, Walker Bueller, Garrett Stubbs, who, you know, you, you kind of praised when we were in Arizona, and I didn't really know much about him. Doesn't look like a backstop, really, but given the state of the position, I could see this guy being a pretty steady riser, you know, if he wasn't taken in, in keeper leagues this spring. I feel like next year he could be uh, maybe like a first-round pick in a reserve draft. Real quick, James, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-A-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. They have daily auctions ending nightly with hundreds of lots, tons of stuff for the man cave. Always something perfect for a fan of any team. Authenticity is so important in pristineauction.com. Guarantees authenticity, and all items come with authentication from only the most trusted sources. It's also affordable. Most people think they can't afford this stuff, but it is much more affordable than you think. Again, that's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. I'm looking over the site the other day, and uh, you know I'm a big WWE guy, James. I'm seeing all this autographed you know, wrestling memorabilia that's just driving me crazy. I need to buy it all. Derek Van Riper sent me a, I, I kid you not, a link to... An autographed Hacksaw Jim Duggan 2x4. Yes, a piece of wood autographed by Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It took every strength of uh, my willpower not to purchase that. Also, a bunch of... There's something like uh, a Hulk Hogan signed boot. Yes, a Hulk Hogan signed boot. An Xbox signed jersey. Uh, For all those Xbox fans out there that are listening, I know there are tons of you. Hulk Hogan New World Order inscribed Hollywood shirt. I mean, there's pretty much stuff for every walk of life. I mean, if you're not a huge sports fan, maybe you're a fan of sports entertainment like me. And so you can find something for you at pristineauction.com. So you mentioned that you didn't have any picks in the first few rounds of this draft. You had made a really strong push for a championship last year, traded away most of your picks. We've talked about it, but just fell one roto point short of that championship. And I'm, I'm still feeling your pain that regard but you had a specific strategy to go after high upside guys late how did that come to fruition right so i entered the draft with only one minor league keeper out of 10 and that was ahmed rosario and i wanted to try to see just how long i could compete this year and you know if i if i'm competing you know i have a guy like rosario that i could flip for for probably a decent piece uh, I'm, you know, I'm not ready to pull the plug on competing just when you have uh, some of the guys on my team that you have, I think it's worth just giving it a shot early on. But I think the most likely scenario is that I'll end up being a seller come like June. And so I didn't really see the point in using these picks in like rounds four, five, six, seven to target minor leaguers who I might just end up upgrading and, you know, like I, I might end up any minor leaguer I might take in the reserves here. I might end up just flipping to someone else for a better minor leaguer. Uh, 
during the season. So I just wanted to get big leaguers that could help me right now. Uh, went heavy on upside, like you said. Uh, so take us through your picks. Who, who did you end up getting? Jesus Sanchez was my first pick, outfielder for the Rays. He just got assigned to uh, Low A Bowling Green, an affiliate that I will be checking out this summer. Hopefully he's still there. That's that a, wasn't until the 11th round. Right. And that that's a loaded Bowling Green roster. Like if, if anyone lives around there, I would highly recommend checking it out. There's Lucius Fox, Adrian Rondon, uh, Garrett Whitley's there. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's stacked with just toolsy guys that, I mean, most, most low A rosters don't have one of those guys, let alone four or five of them. Uh, Sanchez is a potential five category guy. I think he could really blow up this year and, and maybe finish in the, Top 50, maybe even a little bit higher next year. Uh, Andres Jimenez, shortstop for the Mets. He's he's low down in the minors like to the point where you'd think he has a ton of upside, but it's just a very, very safe skill set, a very, very strong hit tool. I, I kind of compare him a little bit to J.P. Crawford. I think he's a guy that eventually will be a top 10 prospect, at least on real-life lists, um, and I felt pretty good about getting him where I got him. Uh, Mitchell White, pitcher for the Dodgers, we've talked about a little bit this spring as a guy that's really improved his stock, kind of went from a guy that profiled as more of a number four, number five, to a guy that now profiles as potentially a number two starter because he's he's touching 97 with the fastball to go with uh, some secondaries at Flash Plus. Uh, Aristides Aquino for your Reds. Look at you getting a couple Reds. I'm looking at yeah, looking at your picks. A couple Reds, couple Reds. Yeah, uh, Shed Long too. Yeah, I got Aristides Aquino and Shedrick Long. A uh, couple Reds guys in the kind of the middle minors. Uh, I think Aquino headed to Double A. I think Long might have returned to High A. Uh, not 100 percent sure on that, but those guys are you know, at least a year away, but they're both pretty toolsy, especially if you're just looking at power and speed, not sure how much either guy's going to hit for average. Uh, that'll be kind of the deciding factor as it always is, but both of them have kind of shown the ability to, to do a little bit of power speed at, at a young age. So that's encouraging. Uh, Franklin Killame with the, the Phillies we've talked about a little bit. I actually had him last year. was surprised that he got thrown back. Uh, I traded him in a deal at the deadline uh, he's got, you know, sometimes he looks like a potential frontline starter. Sometimes he looks like a high leverage reliever, uh, a lot of, a lot of upside in that arm. Kristen Stewart, kind of not, not really an upside guy. Cause I just don't think the batting average is ever going to be there, but it, he's kind of a poor man's Tyler O'Neill. I like the, the value there late. Uh, Will Benson is the ultimate upside play. I mean, this guy could be the number one prospect in baseball someday if he, puts it all together which basically means if he hits yeah i got him in staff three which i was excited about so i was a little disappointed you're able to get him so late i was jealous yeah i mean he's he's just one of those guys that you just look at him and you just you just ooze his tools like just crazy raw power uh oozing machismo a a 50 i think he's a 50 55 runner uh which is crazy for a guy that size i mean he's probably going to lose that eventually but uh yeah i mean ton of ton of tools there josh Lowe, another guy on that bowling green team um he was their fir- the the rays first round pick last year third baseman uh potential 30 plus homer bat so yeah i mean that that's that's the 10 guys i ended up with mostly hitters as is typically the case just kind of a you're 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 
setting yourself up more for a potential breakout. I think if you go with the the hitters and with the pitchers, you're probably you know dodging a little bit of risk if you if you do that as well. Yeah, we had an owner in staff three wondering why we both went so hitting heavy with our minor leaguers in that auction and. Yeah, I mean, my response was basically like just the the riskier nature of pitching prospects. You know, they get hurt a lot. They don't pan out a lot. So I wanted to, especially from scratch and a league that, you know, with the soft salary cap where trading is encouraged, I just feel like not only are these prospects, the hitting prospects safer, but they can draw more in a trade. Yeah, and you, you know, a lot of it too is I was going in the in the staff keeper league three, I went minor leaguers with my first 10 reserve picks I think Mm -hmm. uh because I just wanted to establish a really solid farm system from the get-go in that league and I think maybe 70 ish of my top 100 guys are hitters so that's just kind of how how it breaks down if you're going early on prospects then you're probably gonna get more hitters than pitchers because there just aren't that many pitchers who I think belong in a top 100 it's it's a bit more even in that 100 to 200 range because you kind of run out of high probability hitters and you've you've already kind of covered all the high upside hitters at that point so you have to get some arms in there eventually but I mean if you if you if you start your minor league system with say seven pitchers and three hitters or something like that it's just the odds of the odds of it working out better than if you went the other way or just are pretty small i agree completely just for the sake of disclosure i will list off my prospects and staff too cody bellinger kyle tucker asan diaz manuri sierra alex verdugo amir garrett your boy tyler o'neill juan soto sixto sanchez and lucius fox also as i mentioned took nick senzel so we'll see how that pans out james good stuff we'll have a more focused podcast next week when games are actually underway we appreciate you guys listening hope you enjoyed it talk to you next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.